Amen. Today, um, I'm talking to you, I believe the Spirit of God is talking to you today with a very specific word. And um, so I titled this, I believe the Lord gave me this title, Is Your God Too Small? Is Your God Too Small? We're still in Romans chapter 15. We're going to read verses 7 through 13. He says, Therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made to our fathers, or to the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy as it is written, For this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. Um, That is in the Bible twice, once in 2 Samuel, but the other one is Psalms 18, verse 49. It says, For this reason I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles, and sing praises to your name. Again, he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, laud him. All you people. That's what we have done today, right? And again, Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we come before you, Lord, today. Oh, Father, we know that you are in this room. We know that your spirit is moving. Revelation knowledge, I believe, is being dispensed from heaven's glory. God, I pray, Lord, that you will continue and use me as a conduit to allow the Holy Spirit not just to speak a pretty message, but to speak to the hearts of these people, to speak to the very core of who they are. And God, we expect change today. In the Spirit of God, I pray, Lord, that not one person that hears this message would leave the very same way he walked in these doors. God, our hearts are on your altar today. Lord, we lay it before you. And Father, we're asking you to transform our hearts and our minds so that we would think the thoughts of God. Lord, you said that your thoughts are higher than our thoughts and your ways are higher than our ways. But then, Lord, you came around in First Second Corinthians and you gave us this promise. You said, but we have the mind of Christ. God, I pray that the mind of Christ would just rest upon me today. And not me alone, but rest upon each one of us. God, I pray that the darkness of this Word, Lord, would be passed up. And Lord, it would just illuminate in our soul, Father, so that we see the hope that You're dispensing to us today. God, I pray, Lord, that we would be challenged by the Holy Spirit to place our full faith and our full hope in You. For You're the only thing that's worth hoping for. God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in Your sight. You are my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. He starts off by saying, Receive one another. Just as Christ received you. You know, the church ought to be the most welcoming place in the world. Are we? Nope. (laughs) You know, sometimes we get cliquish. 
Don't we? We just accept our own. Come on now, that ain't godly. The Bible says, receive. When people walk in the doors, well, just wrap our arms around them, figuratively. (laughs) Some people may not like that. (laughs) But embrace them. Let them know. You, You guys remember in the 80s, there was that old sitcom, Cheers? Where everybody knows your name, right? You know the church ought to do, be better than that. You know, I, I, I thought about this a whole lot and I thought, you know, sometimes the world's better at this than we are. But that ain't true. Not anymore. It maybe used to be. It's not true anymore. The world will not accept you unless you think like them. If you don't think like them today, you're not part of them. There's no acceptance. You know, the kingdom ought to be better than that. In other words, you are going to meet people that don't think like you. You're going to see people that don't dress like you, not the same color as you. They're going to be different. And that's okay. Bless God, that's okay. You see, the I, I find that the Lord accepts in, in three ways. He loves, accepts, And He forgives when you were sinners. You know, Jesus never said, get your life together and come on in. But the church says that. Right? Hey, when you get your life together, come on in. Well, they're not going to get their life together in this world. They're going to get their life together when Jesus comes into their heart. But before that happens, we are to embrace them with love. We're to say to people, come on in, you're welcome here. And we'll even try to learn your name. (laughs) It may be an effort. (laughs) He says, he starts off in this, you see, John, Romans 15 is all about us. How, how are we doing in the body of Christ? Are we loving each other? Are we bearing with each other's weakness? Are we expecting perfection? Because you ain't going to find it. The only perfect one is in heaven. Right? There are no perfect people in this church. I promise you that. I know most of you. (laughs) And I know me. We ain't perfect. We're a long way from it. But guess what? I am forgiven. Hallelujah. And Jesus is Lord of my life. You know, there's a Latin word by the name, by the term, imagio Dei. Imagio Dei, and it means made in the image of God. Would you just look at your neighbor, and would you say, you're made in God's image? Now you might want to follow it up with saying, he must have had a bad day. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know... Francis Schaeffer said this. I love this phrase. Listen to this. Francis Schaeffer said, we are glorious ruins. You see, when sin came in, he did a mess in our life. And he's still messing people's lives up. Isn't he? We're glorious ruins. Let me... um, I've got a a, a line here from Tim Keller. um, Great Presbyterian minister. Almost died with cancer, and I believe the Lord has raised him back up. Thank you, Jesus. Um, 
If you ever read a book or get the chance to read a book, Tim Keller, I, I would encourage you. Let me just say this. You won't agree with everything he writes. Is that okay? Absolutely it's okay. You see, if, if we both agree, who's going to learn? My friend Arthur is here today. He said, I wish you'd quit mentioning my name in church. <laughs> but I ain't going to. <laughs> you know, Arthur's a Presbyterian pastor. And I'm an Assembly God pastor. We don't agree on everything. And he's, it's okay if he's wrong on a few things, folks. I'm... <laughs> But I love that man. And he and I fellowship a lot. He lifts my soul up and I hope I do the same for him. You know why? Because we're brothers in the Lord. We're going to have some differences, but that's okay. That's what we, we receive each other. You know, here's what Tim Keller said. He said, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. You, You get what that's saying? I know you're a messed up person, but I still love you. Do you love me? With all my idiosyncrasies, people are beginning to learn me, and they're picking on me. Shame on them. God gets you. You know, in case you haven't noticed, we added a lot of chairs to the sanctuary because this church is growing. So I want you to feel free to invite your family, invite your friends in, and we can put a few more in here. Um, <laughs> I am very symmetrical. And so (laughs) that line down the middle needs to be straight. (laughs) And this table needs to be perfectly centered or else it messes with me. I mean, when I look at these chairs and I see them going this way, I'm like, oh, dear Jesus, (laughs) get me through this service. (laughs) We're all like that, aren't we? We have our idiosyncrasies. And if you know mine and still love me, thank you. Does does that make sense? You are being like Christ. You're loving me with my problems. I wanted to give you a couple of examples on on this acceptance thing, because I believe this is a big deal. You know, I I believe we got to grow with this. In John chapter 8, Jesus is actually speaking to people. He's saying stuff like this, I am the light of the world. And then all of a sudden, right there in the courtyard, they bring a woman who's mostly naked, who was caught in the act of adultery, literally in the act, and they bring her out, and I just see them throwing her at his feet. And they're saying now, what are you going to do, Jesus? Will you uphold the law of Moses, which says to stone her? Or will you go against the law? And maybe then we can stone you. Right? What are you going to do? Did Jesus welcome her? Did Jesus receive her? 
are we going to receive people just like this? The Bible says that Jesus just bent down in the dirt and started writing. Now, we don't know what he wrote. A lot of preachers preachers surmise maybe he wrote their sins down. Who knows what he wrote in that dirt? All I know is whatever he wrote in that dirt convicted every person there. The Bible said from the oldest to the youngest, they already had their stones ready to stone this woman. From the oldest to the youngest, they started dropping their stones. And he turned around and walked. I believe that's very significant. From the oldest to the youngest. You know, when you're young, you're impetuous, right? You be a little hot-tempered. But as you age, you mellow out. Wouldn't you like to know me 40 years ago? <laughs> Bless God, I would have been in that line with a rock, I promise you. Something that Jesus did. I believe more than writing, it was His Spirit of love begin to wrap around them. And they realize, I'm in the wrong spirit. They all drop. Every one of them drop the rock and walk away. Jesus looks at this precious lady. The rest of us saw not a precious woman. Saw somebody that was not good. But He saw somebody made in the image of God. He looked at her and He said, Woman, where are your accusers? They've all gone, Jesus. Not here. He said these. He is the only person in that room or area that could have condemned her. He was the only one righteous. The rest of them are sinners. And he said this, neither do I condemn you. I could because I'm righteous, but I don't condemn you. But he didn't leave her that way. Now you go and sin no more. Precious. That's the way Jesus receives people. In Matthew chapter 9, I believe it is, we have story after story. They're just bam, 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 bam. Jarius, or the very first thing is he meets a tax collector. Now a tax collector was a, was a Jewish guy that sold out, basically, is the way they, the Jews looked at him. He was somebody that went to work for the Roman government. And he could charge their taxes and he could put more on them so that he became rich. And most tax collectors were rich. He was not liked by other Jewish people. But Jesus sees him and he says, Matthew, come follow me. Matthew became a disciple, a tax collector. Somebody that the rest of the Jewish people wouldn't even speak to would take opportunity if they were in a crowd to give him one of these, right? What did Jesus, how did Jesus receive him? Hey, Matthew, come follow me. In other words, Matthew, I have a dream for you. I have a a vision of a destination, what God wants you to do. And Matthew was writing this story in Matthew chapter 8 many years later. At the very same time, Jairus comes up and grabs Jesus. I see such a panic. And he says, my daughter is sick. Will you come to my house and heal my daughter? Have you ever had a sick child? Buddy, you'd do anything, wouldn't you? You'd do anything to get that doctor to the house. Get that man of God to the house. Will you come? Jesus said, yeah, I'll, I'll come with you. 
immediately. I don't know what his plans were for that day. Maybe he had a busy schedule. It didn't matter. This guy needed him, and he welcomed him. He said, yeah, I'll go with you. But before they got there, a little lady with the issue of blood, in other words, for 12 years she had been bleeding. She thought, if I can just touch the hem of his garment as he passes by, I know the Lord will heal me. She's fighting through the crowd. Now, she has been bleeding for 12 years. The Bible says she spent everything that she had on the doctors to heal her to no avail. She's not only sick, now she's broke. But she pushes through and she grabs the hem of the garment, which Malachi said there be healing in his wings, which is the, the priestly hem of the garment. And when she touched it, she was made whole. Healed just like that. And Jesus stops in this big crowd with everybody all around him. He says, who touched me? And his disciples says, are you crazy? Everybody's touching you. Not like this. Somebody touched me. He looked around. He saw that little lady. And uh, he spoke to her. And, uh, and allowed her to be healed. He saw that she believed. Later on, there were two blind men crying out. As Jesus passed by, He healed them. A mute man that was demon-possessed was brought to Him. The city cast Him out. Jesus brought Him in. You get that? What I want you to see, if you read Matthew 8, I want you to look at how many times it says, Jesus saw them. Do you realize how many people think they're insignificant, not just in the body of Christ, but in this world? They just think they don't matter. But i got news for you. You matter to God. And if you matter to God, you ought to matter to the body of Christ. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Said so then he went into the village, and the Bible says there was a multitude there. And the Bible says he saw them and he had compassion on them. Now I believe this is the place where he said, you're sheep without a shepherd. I want to gather you in. Jesus welcomed people and so should we. Even if they look different, if they act different and think different, we still welcome them in. You know what? How many of you have been serving the Lord 20 years? Raise your hand high. You ought to be proud of that. Maybe more than 20 years. I could say something. You're different, aren't you? You're not the same way that you was when you got saved, are you? If you are, you didn't really get saved. Because <laughs> God transforms us, right? He changes us. The next thing we see is the sort of a confusing portion of Scripture. It says that Jesus came and... Well, let me Let me just read it. It says, now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God. What in the world is that saying? Jesus came for the Jews. He said that over and over and over, right? I've come for the lost sheep of Israel. Right? You, you agree with me? Okay. Can you just bob your head or say amen? Or t- yeah, I just want to know you're not sleeping. Second Timothy 2.13 says if we are faithless he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself 
That is a powerful verse that I memorized probably 20 years ago. You know why I memorized that? Because I knew many times I was faithless. But my faithlessness does not affect His faithfulness. Right? You see, when Jesus came for Israel, and Israel was faithless. Israel was a a, a country of idolaters. They were not serving God. They were making idols. And yet, He came. The Bible says in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You hear me say this a lot. It's the power of God and the salvation. But listen to these next words, which we don't a lot of times say, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. He came for His own. John 1.11 says, Jesus came to His own, but His own did not receive Him. But as many as receive Him, to them He gave the right or the power to become the children of God to those who believe in His name. This verse is saying Jesus came for Jews, but then it was opened up to the Gentiles. He came and it says to confirm the promises made to the fathers. You know, I I believe God made a promise to Abraham. He's made promises to Isaac, to Jacob, to David. And the Gentiles got to sit back and look and study this and say, wow, he fulfills his promises. You see, if you don't know your word, you can't have faith for that. But when you know your word, all of a sudden it builds this faith that when God says something, he does it. God doesn't just put a word out there and then say, "Ah, maybe I'll do it. No, no. If he says it, he does it every time. And we can have confidence in that. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. I like verse 5. It says, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. He says, who being in the form of God did not consider robbery to be equal with God. Jesus knew who he was. Sometimes we have this picture in our mind that there's God, and then there's a Jesus, and then there's a Holy Ghost. And that's erroneous. There's God, there's Jesus, there's the Holy Ghost, they are God. Good teaching, Pastor. Thank you very much. <laughs> Taking on the form of a bondservant, one who stayed. You know, you know what a bondservant is, right? A bondservant was a man that was set free from being a slave. But he says, I love you so much, I'll stay with you. So they would take this bond servant, they'd take this servant, and they would take him to the door, and they'd take this, they could do this for me really easy. <laughs> these uh, guys that wear these big old rings in their ear, they look at me in lust because of these <laughs> Nazis. <laughs> but yeah, I got an earlobe. <laughs> they take that earlobe and they put it to the door and they take it all, and they bam, they'd hammer a hole in that ear. So it would be a sign for their, from then on out that he was actually set free, but by his own accord, he's choosing to be my servant. Jesus is a bondservant. He was here on his own free will to serve you. Isn't that amazing? Come on, the King of kings and Lord of lords, God humbled himself and became a bondservant for me. Hallelujah. 
says the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. The Gentiles saw the faithfulness of God. They saw the accuracy of His Word. They saw that He came in grace and truth. I've often told you this, but I I have three sons. The first two were born about two years apart. The third one came, he was a caboose, and he was like, you're what? (laughs) We was not expecting him at all. But the first two were two years apart. My middle son is named Jordan. My oldest son is Matthew. And Jordan's sort of a quiet guy. And Matthew is not. And uh, But Jordan learned from Matthew. My second son learned a lot from his older brother. He, I, I could, you could see the, the wheels in his brain rolling around when we would get on to Matthew and we would discipline Matthew because he was smart aleck or he was one, he was a lot of things. <laughs> the rod of correction was used many times to drive the foolishness out of the child. And Jordan would sit back and think, I don't think I ever want to do that. <laughs> You're the second child. Is this making it clear? See, we learn a lot of things from Jews. Thank God for the Jews. They brought us the Word. They brought us the commandments. And we have set... That's what this Word is saying. It says that the Gentiles learn from the Jews. Folks, uh, there is no place in the kingdom for hatred towards the Jews. We should love and pray for them. So, I, I just also one of the things it says it says that uh, one of those promises he says um, quoting from Isaiah eleven one he said there shall be a root of Jesse and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles in him the Gentiles shall hope and I thought what have we learned from the Jews and I just wanted to go back and tell you just a couple of stories very quickly tell you some of the things you know one of the things i learned really quickly from the jews god doesn't like it when you murmur well thank god we don't do that <laughs> you know what murmuring is right it's deputy dog I mean, you remember deputy dog you know they could tell deputy dog anything he didn't say anything he just walked away <laughs> that's murmuring God says, hey, throw that $100 bill in the offering. <laughs> God doesn't like your murmuring. It's one of the things that we learn from, from the Israelites. It costs them years. The next thing that I see that we learned is that my negativity can lead others astray. You listen to these words. Negativity is the language of the devil. We are to be the most positive people on the earth. Why? Because He is my hope. Your negativity can lead others away from Christ. Say, well, what do you do about it? you got to have God transform you. So you can't just change it. Because the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's just going to roll out until you let God change your heart. Right? But you need to, I'll tell you one thing you can do. You can pray this prayer. Lord, help me to keep my big mouth shut. If I'm not going to speak anything good, just help me be quiet. Another thing that we learn from the three Hebrew children is 
God will let you go through the fire, but he'll be in there with you. Amen? God will let you go through the fire. Matter of fact, God will sometimes send you through in the fire, but he'll walk with you in that fire. See, it's in the fire that things are purified out of our life. Hallelujah. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. I know some of you saying, just get it over with, Pastor. <laughs> Number four, the waiting time becomes testing time, which becomes character development as we stay faithful. And God will fulfill His promise. Who am I thinking of? I'm thinking of Joseph. Joseph waited 13 years to see the promise of God. You know where he waited? Some of that time he waited in the jail cell. But that... that Waiting time became testing time. He didn't throw away his faith. And that testing time became character development. So that when he stepped into the position that he needed to to step in, he was fully developed in his character. You see, because if he had not been fully developed, he would have been an egomaniac. See, we see this sometimes in the pulpit. Uh, and, and people that, that grab hold of the Word of God and they do really good and they're brilliant and they just absorb a lot of things, but there's no character development. Maybe they're great in the gifts, you know? They, they operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Isn't it amazing? God will use you. Even if your character is not developed, God will use you with the gifts. What happens is eventually their character takes over and it brings shame to the kingdom and not glory right don't cut short your your training time and then the last thing i wanted to remind you that we have learned from some of these old testament stories god is a giant slayer but don't wear somebody else's armor my uh my father-in-law told me this story years ago told it to me several times you know as you get older you tell the same stories over right many times you're you're thinking, how old are you, Pastor? <laughs> he said there was a guy uh, in the in the pulpit preacher. He said, "Man, was he a man of God?" And he said, when he would get excited, he would jump up in the pulpit. He'd grab hold. He'd jump. Now I can't demonstrate this for you, but he'd jump up and he'd click his legs together. And there was a youth pastor that followed him. And one day he was preaching and. And um, he tried to do what the other man of God did under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And he grabbed hold of the, the pulpit and he jumped up and he fell flat on his face. And the pastor gets up with all wisdom. The youth pastor is humiliated. And he says, folks, we never try to be somebody else with God. Folks, I don't care what you see. You walk in your own anointing. Does this make sense to you? Don't try to... You know, when my brother was coming up, he went to Bible college and all he could see, this was in the early 80s, late late 70s actually, when he went to Bible college. But all he could see was he wanted to be the next Jimmy Swaggart. Until about 1988. Right? When Jimmy Swaggart fell from grace. You don't want to be Jimmy Swaggart. You don't want to be Eric Kelleher. I figured I'd get a few amens on that one. Absolutely, Pastor. You don't want to be any of the heroes that you see on TV. God's not called you to be Joel Osteen. or God called you to be you. So just allow God to speak through you in your own way. Does that make sense? 
That's where you'll find the power of God. Now let's put a caboose on this and end this thing. He says, now may the God of hope, I'm going to define some of these words. Hope is confident expectation that something good is about to happen. Hallelujah. Anybody need a little hope? Hallelujah. Come on, church. If you don't need hope, that means you're doing, you ought to be preaching the sermon. (laughs) I need hope. I need a confident expectation that something good is about to happen in my life. And he says, now remember I told you last week, God is describing himself. You know, last week we said the God of patience and comfort. The God of staying power and encouragement is words that we would use. But today, in this next verse, he describes himself, now the God of hope, the God of confident expectation that we can have our expectation in, may he fill you with hope. I'm sorry, joy, which is, the word joy is kara in the Greek, and the word grace is charis. Do you see how close they are? I mean, kara, a kara, there's the same word basically. See, joy is not based on human happiness. Joy is divine. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit. I love this. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control, even if all hell is breaking loose in my life. Right? It's the quiet confidence it's going to be okay. But this is my favorite part of this. But it's my determined choice. Come on. It's joy is me determining in my heart that I will praise Him in every situation, in every circumstance of life. Now may the God of confident expectation fill you with that, with that joy of the Lord. He goes on, he says, My brethren, that you're also full... I'm sorry, I've skipped a verse. He said that He fill you with joy and peace in believing. Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is in the middle of problems. It's, it's so much more than just tranquility. You see, we think we're at peace when there's no problems and all the bills are paid. No, you can be at peace when there are bills to pay and all hell's breaking loose. You can still be in the peace of God. The Bible says in Colossians 3.15, says, let the peace of God rule in your heart to which you're called in one body and be thankful. You know, that Greek word there, peace, is arene. And it basically means this. Let the peace of God be your umpire. Let Him call the strikes. Let Him call the fouls. The peace of God will lead you. Now, let, let me just give you some very wise word from a pastor who probably learned it from somebody else. When you lose your peace, stop. See, sometimes God wants to stop us because we're headed in the wrong direction. So we lose our peace. That's just a good time just to be still until the peace of God comes back on you. Then you continue to move. God of hope, fill you with joy and peace. And here's where I'm wanting to get. And believing. 
You know, unbelief is wicked. It's what Hebrews call it. In Hebrews chapter 3, he says, basically, deliver me from this evil heart of unbelief. This evil heart of unbelief. See, if, if Christians would just start treating unbelief like it's a cancer, but we don't. We start to nourish it in each other. Well, I, I just don't believe that's going to happen. Oh, well, yeah, pro- you're probably right. We have lost the backbone to call people out. I want everybody to like me. Pat me on the back. Tell me it's a great sermon. So I can't tell you the hard things anymore. Not in this church, I promise you. I do not mind telling you the difficult things. See, I believe that the bridge is out. I will do you a favor to tell you the bridge is out. He says, I want you abound in that confident expectation by the power of the Holy Spirit. Believe that you will abound. Come on. You see, if you're not there today, then your God is too small. You need to increase the size of your God. Because He said, I want you to abound in this hope and believing. And I find that Christians sometimes are the most hopeless people alive. And that is from the devil. I'm telling you, Jesus come that you might have hope. And not just hope for the heaven. Yeah, I got my ticket punched. I have hope. Yeah, but how about tomorrow? Can you go through tomorrow with hope? You can if your God is big. You say, what are you talking about? Your God's small or your God's big. I'm talking about your stinking thinking. I'm talking about this. You know that we have taken God and we've made Him man. Yeah, Jesus stepped down from heaven and He became a man, but He was always fully God. God's not a man that He should lie. God speaks truth and you can base your life on what Jesus says. And when you get a hold of who He is... You're going to abound. You get that word? Woo! Abound. I'm going to flourish. I'm going to grow. I'm going to overcome. In what? In confident expectation. In other words, today may look like hell. You ever had a day like that? Today may look like hell, but I've got hope that Sunday is coming. Resurrection power in Jesus is on the way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The key part, what do you believe in? What do you believe in? You ever listen to each other talk? Some of us are believing we're dying. Because that's all you ever talk about. Oh, this is killing me. Well, shut up. You're not dying, you're living. God wants to do great things for you. Can you just say that? God, come on, let's get going, Lord. I'm believing you for greatness, not poverty.
beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a holy sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You get that? If God is going to do His thing in you, you got to allow Him to start with this. The God of hope. Fill you with joy. Anybody need a little joy in their life today? Do you realize God wants to give it to you? God wants to give you that joy. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes I look at people and I think, they're living such a joyless life. That's not God's will. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, I'm speaking on the authority of the Word of God. Now, let me say this. God is not calling you just to have fun. Okay, sometimes we equivalent. Well, God wants me to have fun. Oh, are you crazy? God wants you to succeed in your worst times. In your worst times. God calls you to have joy. So you know what that means? I am never going to hang my harp on a willow tree. Come on, I wish you'd get so stinking mad at the devil. I wish you'd get so determined that you'd say, I will not stop praising him. I don't care what happens to me. I will not stop praising him. You know, the Bible talks about a sacrifice of praise. You know what a sacrifice of praise is? It's when you don't feel like it. Do you know I have preached having a kidney stone? Oh, it was a glorious Sunday, I'm sure. (laughs) Kidney stones are sort of like a man having a baby. I was having contractions on the pulpit and you just didn't know it. (laughs) You, You get what I'm saying? If you let Satan steal your joy by circumstances, I promise you, you're going to have a lot of circumstances. He will not steal my joy. He will not steal my song. That doesn't mean I'm not going to have trouble. Jesus promised trouble. In this life you'll have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Sometimes we just got to take a step back. Say, Jesus... I need a fresh perspective on what's going on in my life. Would you stand with me? I've been opening up these altars the last couple of weeks because I felt like that's what the Lord told me to do. You know, oftentimes when it comes to this point, we tell people something like this. Invite Jesus into your heart. I was telling my Sunday school class this. You know when you invite Jesus into your heart, you know who's in control? You are. Jesus don't come into your heart for you to stay in control. He never said that to his disciples. You get get that? He never said, hey, would you invite me in your heart? He never said that. You know what he said? Come follow me. You know who's in control when you're following somebody? The leader. 
You see, maybe you have prayed the prayer, Jesus, come into my heart. I, I just would like you to pray it differently today. Maybe there's signs of salvation. I, I believe that most people in this room are saved. But I, I also believe that, yeah, you may be saved, but I think that a lot of us are the captain of our ship. And I think Jesus is saying, hey, will you give me the will? Can I stir your life? Steer, sorry. Stir or steer. You may stir you too. <laughs> Stirs me all the time. <laughs> Are you willing to follow Him? You see, Psalms 23 says, Yeah, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death. You remember the rest? You are with me. Come on! That ought to speak to your soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. I'm never alone. Therefore, I can go, I can accomplish, and I can succeed. I believe God is speaking to this church today. And I think He's saying, I want to restore your joy. I want to restore your hope. I want, I, you know, when the Bible says when God created Adam, He did something. He did mouth to mouth. It's called, in the Hebrew, it's called Zoe. He put His lips on Adam's lips and He goes, <sighs> He breathed the breath of God into Adam. And the Bible says this, and He became a living soul. I believe that Jesus wants to do that to you today. I believe that if you'll humble yourself, that Jesus wants to infuse life, infuse that joy and hope that we so desperately need. The Lord has spoken to you. I want you to just come and stand at this altar area, and I want you to surrender. Will you surrender to Him? Come if the Spirit, if the Spirit of the Lord has spoke to you. Let's sing, Dreamer.
think I don't have to come up here I'll just receive at my seat I'm going to tell you no you won't you won't you don't receive at your seat like you receive here I don't totally understand it but I think it comes from humility see when you walk to the front of the church see if if I would let my flesh get involved I would say boy you've really failed today they didn't hear a word you said but you know what my heart doesn't respond to this because I know I know that I know that I know that I preach the word of God to you and I know what the spirit of the Lord told me I know that many of you are hopeless I know many of you are joyless and I know that God wanted to do something for you today but you did not humble yourself and I'm sorry for that I'm going to pray and I'll pray for God's mercy because I want you to receive I really do Jesus I come before you Lord I Lord I need to be at this altar because Lord it seems like lately I've been carrying a lot of burdens and they have tried to steal my joy they've tried to steal my hope and Lord in my my heart Lord I've just been thinking about leaving a whole lot Let's just get out of Dodge. It's too hard. But God, I'm so thankful that I know that you are my hope. That you are the God of hope. And Lord, whether I go here or there, Lord, I know you'll be here for me. So Lord, I humble myself today and I say, maybe the only one I'm preaching to is me. But I need your touch. I need your touch today. I pray, God, for every person in the sound of my voice that they would get serious with you for just a moment and they would humble themselves and say, God, I want to follow you. I want you to be the leader and not me in charge. Let's shift here, Lord. I ask that you get behind the steering wheel and I'll just follow you. I want to hear your voice. God, I pray, Lord, restore joy and hope. And Lord, restore to us the right way to welcome people into your kingdom so that all men can hear, all people can hear that he is the God of hope. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Denny is not here. So I'll end with a blessing. But I uh, don't beat me to the door, okay? We just give me a minute. <laughs> Raise your hand, receive a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Now go in peace and serve the Lord. God bless you folks. Amen.